This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Guardrails is essentially just a series, <clears throat> a series on boundaries. We're talking about boundaries and how we need to sort of establish those in our life in order to live the life that God has called us to live, to be the people that God has called us to be. And so last week we launched the series. So you're only in week two of like five, I think. So, you know, you're not too far behind the eight ball here. But in last week we, we sort of established the ground rules. We established sort of the situation, the idea for what guardrails are. And guardrails are there to direct and protect they're there to direct us and to protect us. And so we talked about how guardrails, though, they're essentially not in, they're not located in the danger zone. You know, on a road, guardrails are technically where you could still drive. You could still drive there and be okay. When you're on a side of a cliff and there's a guardrail there, uh, the guardrail is not like suspended in the air. The guardrail is on the road where your tires could technically go, but you would be super, super close to some massive massive danger. And so we talked about when we're establishing these guardrails in our lives, we don't establish them in the danger zone, right? We back up a few feet and say, this is where the guardrails are going to go. And then as we crash into these guardrails, it's this idea that we crash into these little crashes into a guardrail rather than a catastrophic crash off the side of a mountain and there's explosions and everything just falls apart. Does that make sense? And so the idea here, what we said was our definition of a guardrail for us, for all purposes of this series, is that it's a, um, it's a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. It's a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience, meaning it's a line in the sand that we draw and we say, we're not going to cross this line. And when we do, we bump up to this line, our conscience begins to light up and say, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Whoa, 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 chill out. Whoa, 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 back up from that a little bit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not necessarily in the danger zone yet, but you're getting close enough to the danger zone that your conscience should step up and say, hey, you need to slow your roll. You need to back up a little bit. You need to survey the situation and see what's really going on here, okay? And so that's sort of what we established last week. Now, what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks is take specific areas of our lives and talk about some potential guardrails that we could put into place to help us. And so today we're talking about how it relates specifically to friends, to your posse, to your crew, to your clique, to your wh whatever, your people, whatever you call your people, right, your friends, that's what we're talking about, how these guardrails and boundaries relate to our friends. So now as a kid, um, my parents had certain boundaries and guardrails for me and my friends. I wasn't allowed to go inside of other people's houses. Did anyone else have this this rule. Now, this is back in the day. Hold on. Don't, before you start judging me super hard and my parents, okay? I wasn't allowed to go in other people's houses. I wasn't allowed to spend the night at other people's houses. People could come in my house and they could spend the night at my house because my parents could kind of know what's going on and see what's going on, but I wasn't allowed to do that at other people's houses. I lived in the day and age, I don't know if you guys are aware, I guess some of you are, the day and age where your parents could not creep the other kids' parents on social media, right? They knew nothing about those parents except for what I told, oh yeah, they're cool, they're super nice. That's the extent that they knew about those parents, right? I lived in the day where I had to ride my bicycle. You guys know what a bicycle is? I had to ride my bicycle, right? I had to walk up to my friend's house. I had to know his address by heart in my head. I had to walk up to his house and knock on the door and pray to God, if there is a God, don't let his mom answer the door, right? Because you're like, and she answers, and you're like, hi, Mrs. Leiden, can DJ come out to play? 
Um, no, DJ's in trouble. Okay, I was just kidding. I didn't really want him to anyway. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you start panicking or whatever. I, you know, you knock on the door, you ask for them to come out and play. It was one of those things. And so I was allowed to like play at their house and hang out, but I couldn't go inside because my parents couldn't control and didn't understand, didn't know what would be happening in those situations. Now we got social media and we can be like, oh no, but they look, kind of look like creepers. We're not letting you go over their house. Right? No, just me? Am I the only one being honest and vulnerable in church right now? Okay, okay, you guys are the same way. I see, I see your like grimaces on your face. You're like, <laughs> yes. Yes, I do that. But my parents knew, listen, my parents knew, the reason they didn't let me do those things is because they knew that my friends would determine the direction and quality of my life. They knew that the people that I spent the most time with would, would influence and impact the direction and quality of my life. Friends do that. For the positive or for the negative. I mean, for the positive, you know, our friends can encourage us to go to church. Our friends, the friends of your kids could encourage them, encourage them to go to youth group, go to church, be in kids' church, all this stuff. They can encourage them to play sports and, and explore the athletic side of things. You can encourage them to explore their creativity and play in bands with each other and do dances together and all this different stuff. They can encourage your kids. Your friends, your kids' friends can do that for them. But the flip side of the coin is also true. Your kids' friends can also push them towards drugs and push them towards drinking and sex and all these destructive things and hobbies and pastimes. They can discourage your kids. They cannot encourage them to pursue their dreams and hopes and aspirations, but to settle for whatever. And so your kids' friends are super, super important. See, the thing that makes friendships so wonderful are also the things that make friendships so dangerous. The things that make friendships so wonderful are also the things that make friendships so dangerous, and it's two things. It's comfortability and it's acceptance. The first thing is comfortability. When we're comfortable, we drop our guard, right? When we get around our friends, we talk relaxed and casual. We take the guards down. We take the limiters off. We take the, the filters off, and we just hang out and have a good time. We allow ourselves to get comfortable, but when we do that, we're not only dropping our guard for ourselves, we're also opening ourselves up for them to influence us. We're opening up ourselves for them to influence us and for us to be vulnerable, and so we let our guard down, and that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. That's a, that can be a positive thing in our lives, but the reality is it can also be a very scary thing. It can be a very dangerous thing because we open ourselves up and make ourselves receptible, receptive to whatever they are going to pour into us. It's just kind of the way that friends works. It's the nature of friendship. And so you got this comfortability aspect, but then you also have this acceptance aspect, right? Because we're attracted to acceptance. We crave acceptance. Oh, I don't crave acceptance. Yes, you do. Everyone does. It's part of human nature. We want to be accepted by other people. And acceptance, again, leaves us open to influence. It makes us vulnerable to influence. Think about it. Your first cigarette, probably didn't have that by yourself, right? Your first swig of alcohol, you probably didn't have that by yourself, chances are. Many of the addictive behaviors that we end up with in our lives, they start in crowds, because we're craving acceptance, because maybe we let our guard down and let someone else influence us in that way. I would, I would venture to say that some of our greatest regrets, think about it, some of your greatest regrets in life, were they with your enemies or were they with your friends? They're with your friends. What makes friendship so wonderful also makes it super, super dangerous. And here's the deal. It's not just little kid stuff either. It's not just for little kids. It's, it's not just for the kids that are back in the, in the kids' church. It's not for the middle schoolers that are in their middle school thing. It's not for the high schoolers that went to Cedar. It's for us, too. Our friends are ultra important in our lives. 
Our friendships will influence, they will influence the direction and the quality of our lives. Even now, when we're adults, full force adulting, your friends influence the direction and quality of your life. And it can be positive. We're baptizing people today, and I'm super excited about it. And we got this group of people that are being baptized. Chances are their friends are encouraging them in that way. Chances are their friendships are pushing them that way. I know for some of these teenagers that are getting baptized today, these guys are like encouraging each other. Joe getting baptized and Sean. These guys are like around the church helping people. They're surrounding themselves with positive influences that are feeding into them to where now they're standing up in front of all of you and saying, yo, Jesus is doing something in me and I just want to celebrate it with you. Right? That's an awesome thing. Friendships can do that for us, but friendships can also, we see it time and time again, where so much potential turns into the wrong crowd. We see people who have so much potential. Man, they're going to do great things. They're going to be amazing. And they, Oh, man, whatever happened to... Oh, they fell in with the wrong crowd. They allowed the wrong people to influence them. They allowed the wrong people to, to, to influence the direction and the quality of their life. And that'll happen for us as well. Not because you decided to let them, not because you're like, yes, I'm going to be friends with that person and they are going to wreck my life and it's going to be awesome, right? Nobody goes into it with that perspective or that approach. That's just the nature of friendship. The whole acceptance part and the whole comfortability part, we let our guard down. That's just the nature of how it works. And here's the deal. This is not subjective. This is not case by case. This is a principle for everyone. You can't sit in here and say, oh, my friends don't affect me. My friends don't influence me. Because it's just not true. That's the case for everyone, myself included. It's the nature of friendship. It's the way that humans work. You know, there's this saying that's going around, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's so true. You become like who you spend the most time with. This, it's a proximity thing. And it's true for everyone. And so the Bible talks to this. The Bible speaks to this idea. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says this. It should be up on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there as well. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. You know what wisdom is? You know what being wise is? It's understanding that all of life is connected. It's understanding that the decisions you make today will impact your life tomorrow. That the outcomes are all connected. Everything you do in life is connected. There are no isolated eating habits. It's all connected. There's no isolated relationships. Oh, that's just my, my one friend that, you know, I don't tell anybody about that friend. There's no isolated relationships. It's all connected. There's no isolated decisions. It's all connected. And wisdom knows that. And scripture suggests that wisdom is contagious, right? It says, walk with the wise and become wise. If you're hanging out with people and spending the most time with people who make good decisions based on a connected life, realizing that the decision I make now is going to affect my life later, if you're consistently hanging out with those kinds of people, they're going to influence the way that you make decisions. They're going to influence the way that you uh, uh, view life. They're going to influence the way that you view your body, the way that they view their body. They're going to influence the way that you approach your health, the way that they approach their health. Your morality will be affected by the way that they view morality. Your business, your reputation, your family, all across the board. Walk with the wise and become wise. It's a thing of proximity. Your friends are so important. But then it talks about the foolish too. 
It says, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You know what the fools are? They know right from wrong, but they don't really care. They know, they know what they're supposed to be doing and whatever, but they just, they don't really care. They live as if, though, life is not connected. They live as if, though, the decisions they make today won't impact them later. You know? Whether it be their health, their eating habits, their decisions, their morals, whatever. They think, hey, I'm living in the now, I'm doing my thing now, tomorrow will work itself out. That's the foolish approach to this. And the scriptures say, they say, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So there's a promise here and there's a warning here, right? The promise here, it says, you become wise by doing life with the wise. Wisdom is contagious. Wisdom rubs off. It says, walk with the wise. It means do life with the wise. Hang out with the wise. Spend time with the wise. Do the things that wise people are doing. But then there's also a warning here. He says, you run the risk of something bad happening to you if you run with fools. You run with people who are just off the cuff doing whatever, whenever, to wherever, to whoever, to whatever. I said a lot of evers there. But you're running with those people, and you're going to hit a brick wall. You're going to find yourself in that position. Oh, well, I'm a good person, though. But you find yourself in the position of in the wrong place at the wrong time all the time. Right? You find yourself in these circumstances that are like, oh, but it's just, I, I mean, I don't know what happened. Here's the deal. You're running with the wrong people. You're allowing the wrong people to influence you and to guide you and to direct you. They're influencing the direction and quality of your life. And so this warning has to do with proximity. It's saying, listen, eventually the fools are going to go down. Eventually it's going to happen because they always do. Eventually it's going to go down. It, it, it's going to hit the fan, you know what I'm saying? And if you're in proximity to them, you're going to go down with them. It's going to happen to you too, but I wasn't the one to, you were there. It doesn't matter. It's a thing of proximity. The shrapnel from their explosion is going to impact and affect you. And so our friendships are super, super important. I mean, think about it logistically, just very, very practically, you know? Not even getting super spiritual on it. I mean, your friends who don't take care of themselves are not going to take care of you. Do, do you, I mean, it's, it's obvious, right? Think about it, obviously, your friends who don't take care of their marriage are not going to look out for your marriage. It's simple logic. Your friends who are irresponsible with their finances are gonna be irresponsible with your finances. Your friends who, are, who don't mind abusing their bodies are not going to mind if you abuse your body. Your friends who cheat will feel better about life if you're cheating too. Do you see that? It's super, super important. Your friends who break the law are not going to confront you about breaking the law. And so the way that this works, just the nature of friendship, they can be super, super dangerous. And danger requires guardrails. Danger requires boundaries. And like I said, this is a principle. This is for everybody. Friendships can be really, really awesome, but they can also be really, really toxic and really, really dangerous. And we find ourselves in both of those scenarios frequently in our adult life. And so we need to establish a standard of behavior that informs our conscience, right? We need to establish some guardrails in all areas of, of our life, especially in friendships, and so this morning what I want to do is I want to throw out just sort of three starter ideas for you, 
three quick little red flags or guardrails that you can potentially put into place even right now and ask yourself these questions and say, oh, huh, maybe I need some new friends. Oh, huh, maybe I need to change the influences that are speaking into my life. Huh, maybe I need to approach this. So I'm throwing out three ideas. There's a hundred million different ideas that you can have for guardrails in your life. But the reality is you need guardrails in your friendships. Everyone does. Everyone does. But your guardrails are going to look a little bit different than my guardrails and vice versa, right? And so I want to throw out three ideas this morning really quick, and I'm going to read them off real quick, and then I'm going to break them down a little bit for you, okay? So the three ideas are this. If you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are around these people, that's a red flag. You need a guardrail, okay? The second one is if you feel pressure to compromise, that's a red flag. You need a guardrail. Or you hear yourself saying, I'll go, but I won't participate, that's a red flag. You need a guardrail. So the first one, you catch yourself pretending to be something other than who you really are. That's hard to see in ourselves, right? We get around people and we just adapt and we do our thing, but here's a, here's a great indicator if this is you. Here's a major clue, okay? When someone tells you, man, you just act different around them. You're just, that's not you, you know? You don't, you don't really say that kind of stuff. You don't really laugh at that kind of stuff. You don't really make jokes like that. You know, that's not really who you are. If someone is saying that to you about your friends, you find yourself pretending to be someone else around this group of people, or you try really, really hard to, to, to fit in with them, and it's just not natural, chances are that's a red flag, and you need some guardrails there, right? For example, um, in high school, <laughs> in high school, um, I was a punk rocker. Was anybody else like a punk rocker in high school? Okay, a, a few of you. Yes, okay, nice. So you know what I'm talking about. I had like different colored mohawks and, and a bunch of chain wallets. No money in my wallet, but a bunch of chains to keep it there. You know, no one's going to take it, by golly. I got like 30 cents in there, you know. Um, you know, big baggy pants, super tight t-shirts. It was like, that was the thing. Now it's like switch. They wear super tight and pants and really baggy t-shirts. It was opposite when I was younger. It's crazy. But I was like this punk rocker guy, right? And... Um, I played drums and punk bands and all of that for, <laughs> for the longest time. So <laughs> I'm cracking myself up here. My name's Sam, and for the longest time, I signed my name S Anarchy Sign M. I mean, does it get more punk rock than that? I don't think so. I was like, yeah, down with the establishment, right? <laughs> it's crazy. I'm like this bougie kid living in Gross Point. Like, get real, kid. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's pathetic. That's why I was laughing before I told you that, right? <laughs> Um, but listen, so I was, I was like a punk rocker or whatever. And so in my like punk rock, you know, oi, yeah, punk rock stuff, um, my friends were like super anti-sports, right? Because we were in high school and we we're like, oh, jocks are idiots, jocks are dumb, blah, 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 down with the jocks, uh, you know, anarchy. And so we were <laughs> so dumb. We were super like anti-sports, right? The whole group was anti-sports. The whole group was also anti-school. Like, oh, the principal, they're just out, to, teachers are out to get us, man. They just want to keep us down and suppression and we're oppressed. I'm like, oh my gosh. But this was sort of like the mindset, right? And my group of friends was like super anti-religion. They were like, no, church is stupid. Jesus is dumb. All that stuff's horrible, man. They just want to oppress you. They want to put your brain in a cage and not let you think for yourself and all this stuff, right? That was the, the, the group of friends that I was in. But then I found myself and I was like, well, wait a second. I love sports, like, I love watching sports. I love playing sports. I played a bunch of sports in high school. I was, like, trying out for the basketball team and my Chuck Taylors and a Mohawk, right? It was just, it was, it was a, just, an, I was a walking contradiction, you know? 
um, I love sports. I love watching them. I love playing them. And then I love school. You know, school came easy to me and I enjoyed it. I really loved math and science and I thought that stuff was like super cool. And some of you guys are like, you're a super nerd. But I really loved it, man. It was like I enjoyed going to school. I looked forward to it. You know, I liked my teachers. I had relationships with my teachers. It was, they were probably feeling sorry for me, but I liked them. You know, it was like, it was a cool, th- I liked school and I liked church. I wasn't a punk rocker with colored mohawks and stuff because I was in some rebellious phase. And I loved Jesus. I loved going to youth group. I loved going to church. I loved my church friends. I loved going to Cedar Point with my youth group was awesome. Going to youth rallies and all this different stuff. And so I found myself getting around these other people and thinking, oh, well, I got to sign my name as Anarchy Sign Sam, and I got to be punk rock, and I got to, you know, stand for certain things and think certain things. That wasn't who I was. I loved the things that they were like super against. You know what I mean? And so that was like a red flag for me. It was like, hey, Sam, maybe this isn't the group for you, right? Maybe these are not your crew. Maybe this is not your thing. If you're having to, to be someone that you're not just to fit in, maybe you need to find some new friends. And so a, a, a solution to this is to be yourself. Many of you probably find yourself in a similar situation. Maybe they're not like anarchy down with the government. Well, maybe they are like down with the government these days. I don't know. Who knows? I'll just let that one fly right by. Um, <laughs> but you probably find yourself in certain situations where you're having to like be something you're not and pretend like you're something that you're not just to fit in. Guys, that's a red flag. That's a guardrail. The solution is that is that you need to be true to yourself. You need to be who you are and hold out for friends who like you for you and like you just the way that you are with all your quirks and weird stuff and your oxymoron listening to punk music and playing basketball. Like, you need to be true to yourself and you need some guardrails. You need some guardrails in those relationships and that guardrail may indicate that you need some new friends, may indicate that you need some new people in your life to speak into you and to speak life into you. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If your friends are not taking you to where you want to go and crafting you to be the person that you want to be, you need some new friends. You need some new people speaking into you. The second thing, second potential guardrail, is that you feel pressure to compromise. You feel pressure to compromise. This is a guardrail, but now here's the deal. You feel pressure to compromise, not post-compromise. We need a guardrail inside the danger zone, right? Inside, not after you've compromised, looking back and going, Man, I probably should have thought about that before I did it, huh? Right? That's not the approach we're talking about. We're talking about when you begin to feel pressure to compromise, you need to sort of make some changes, make some shifts. Your conscience should light up as you crash into this guardrail and say, whoa, wait a second, I need to back up a second. Because here's the deal. When things that were never, ever okay are starting, now beginning to be okay, you need to back up and go, whoa, 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 wait a second, what's going on here? What's happening in my life? Maybe it's growth, maybe it's development, maybe you're starting to see things differently. I see things differently every single day. You know, I'm consistently changing perspectives and stuff. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. But I'm saying these moral issues that used to be completely hands-off, like no way, that's not okay. Now all of a sudden it's like, well, I mean, you know, right? And we start dancing around the issues, that's a red flag. That's a guardrail. Maybe we need to back up a little bit and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this way? What's going on here? Don't just go through life, we'll figure it out. Guys, all of life is connected. Walk with the wise and become wise. 
When these things start coming up, we need to ask ourselves these things. When things that were never, ever a temptation now become a real option, we need to check ourselves. We, we, need, to, we need to sort of sort of back up because, listen, this should freak us out. This should scare us a little bit, you know? Not, even, not, not after you do the behavior, but when you begin to even think about the behavior, you need to back up and go, whoa, 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 whoa wait a second. An example of this is when I was in high school again, man. I was, I was hanging out with my friends, and I, I grew up in church, and so I was never really tempted by, like, drugs and alcohol and the party scene and all that. That was just never a thing for me. It's not part of my story. It's not part of my struggle. It's just, it was, it was never really an option. Maybe it's because I had, like, this southern Pentecostal mother from Alabama who, like, nailed it into my brain since I was, like, in infancy that that stuff will send you straight to hell or whatever. I don't know. Maybe I was scared. Who knows? But I was just never really, like, into that sort of thing, and so I got with some friends and whatever, and we ended up buying some pot, Right? We bought some marijuana, and we were like, oh, we're going to do this, right? And so we were like, let's do it. And um, so we bought it, and we hid it like in a fence post behind my buddy's house. Um, again, because you can't text about this stuff. You can't call. Like, it's all like we rode our bikes and had like a little meeting and a huddle, and this is what we're going to do. Here's the plan, right? Because this was before all the connectivity, right? So we, we bought this like marijuana, and um, we, we hid it in a fence post behind his house, and our plan was that Friday night, we're going to have a sleepover at my buddy's house. His dad was a truck driver, so we were going to stay there, and he was going to be gone, and we were going to do it, man. It was like, yeah, we're awesome, you know, like 15-year-olds. It's crazy. And so I'm doing this, and we got all these plans. This was never an option for me. This was never a temptation. This is never something I wanted to do, but these guys were like all about it, and so I was like, oh, yeah, okay, let's go, right? Um, and then, <laughs> funny story, so then my mom confronts me, and she's like, Samuel, I'm, I'm like, yeah, ma, she's like, I know you bought some drugs, I'm like, no, I didn't, what, what, huh, what, no, I didn't, she's like, the Lord told me, and I was like, oh, my God, right, like, ah! I was freaking out, needless to say, I told my cousin, and my cousin told my mom, but she told me the Lord told her, and I was terrified, Right? I was like, oh my God, ah, I did it. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, right? Uh, it, was, it was traumatizing as a 15-year-old. Man. But ended up, you know, long story short, I didn't go. They did, and they ended up, you know, kind of hitting a brick wall and being deadbeats for a little while in life, you know? And, and obviously God spared me from that, but it was, it was this thing where, like, that was never even an option to me. But because of the influences I was allowing to speak into me, it became a real possibility. It became something that I was never about, but then all of a sudden, if everybody else is kind of cool with it, then I guess I'll just kind of roll with the flow and go with it. Listen, the solution to this is that we got to be grounded in who we are. we got to be grounded in who we are, because if we don't know who we are, somebody else will define that for us. If we don't know who we are and where we stand, somebody else is going to define that for us. So we got to be careful. we got to be careful to who we allow that somebody to be we got to be careful who the influences are in our lives. This is a guardrail indicating if you're struggling with this, and this is something that you're like, yes, that's where I'm at. This is a guardrail indicating that maybe you need to find some new friends. Maybe you need to be a little more careful about who you're allowing to speak into your life. And then the third one is this. If you find yourself saying, I'll go, but I'm not going to participate. I'll go and I'll hang out, but I'm not going to do what you guys are doing. I'll go and hang out, but I'm not really going to, you know, it's not going to be a thing that I do. Listen, this is an indicator that you're really not okay with what's happening. Right? 
I'll go, but I'm not going to hang out. That's an indicator that you're not okay with what's happening, but your relationship with these people is tying you to the activity or to the event or to whatever's going on. An example of this is in college. I was in a fraternity at college. I did like a major swing in the social situation, right? I was like, oh, anarchy. And then I was like, oh, bro, what's up, right? And so I was in this fraternity in college, and I lived in the, uh, the frat house thing, and and so we had like house parties all the time and there were people everywhere and all this stuff was going on and we were in the bar scene and all that stuff. But again, I wasn't really into womanizing. I wasn't really into like binge drinking and going hard and partying and all that stuff. That just it wasn't who I was. It's not something that I was like necessarily attracted to or wanted to be a part of. But my relationship with the guys put me in that situation all the time, right? It put me in those situations all the time. I went, but I didn't participate, I was hanging out, and I was always the DD, and they loved it, of course, but I was just like the DD all the time. But I went, but I didn't participate, and, and through that, guys, that's a guardrail. That's probably not a crew that you should be hanging out with. Scripture says if you walk with fools, you're going to find yourself suffering from the shrapnel of their explosion when they crash. It's a thing of proximity. Walk with the wise and become wise. But walk with fools, and you're going to suffer. And so most of you in here this morning, you have a friend group that comes to mind. You have a relationship in your life right now that comes to mind that fits into one of these categories or fits into something else where you're like, yeah, you know what? Something's got to change here. I can't keep going the way I'm going. I can't keep hanging out with these people because I know what's coming. I know what's, they're not making me better when I hang out with them. They're not moving me towards the places that I want to go. They're not shaping me into the person that I want and hope to become. And you're thinking about this, but you're saying, Sam, but it, Sam, it's complicated. I mean, it's more complicated than you realize. You see, I really, really like them, and I, I love them. They're my people. They're my crew, whatever. We've been friends forever. How do I explain it to them? How do I tell them? How do I end this relationship? Listen, I'm not going to stand up here and act like it's something super easy, because it's not. It's very, very complicated. It's very, very hard. And you'll go through some times that are very, very lonely. That's the reality of it, and that's why most people don't do it. And they allow themselves to be influenced by whoever and whatever, whenever. Because they're not willing to step up and have these conversations. And here's the deal. Please don't misinterpret. Please don't walk away from this saying, well, Sam says I got to be friends with only people that are just like me. Listen, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we should be Christian clones that are insulated from the evil world around us, okay? That is, please understand, that is not what I'm saying. But if you're polarizing wisdom and compassion into two different things, if you're saying, I'm friends with these people because I have compassion for them and I love them, but you're checking wisdom at the door, that's not okay. That's a toxic relationship and it's gonna drain you and it's gonna hurt you. We can't, we can't polarize wisdom and compassion, Right? These things are intertwined. Compassion will never require you to make an unwise decision for yourself. Do you understand? You shouldn't be putting yourselves in terrible situations that are harmful to you because you care about that person. Does that make sense? Walk with the wise and become wise. Okay? It's about proximity. If you find yourself saying, listen, I've felt rumblings of this. And, and, and things have become an option that were never before an option. And I, I, I do have to change to adapt to these people. And I do find myself in places that I don't really want to be, but I love these people. I care for them. I care about them. If you find yourself sort of justifying that, listen, listen. The best thing that you can do 
for the people that you love and you care about is stay inside the guardrails so that when they do crash, you're in a healthy enough place to actually help them. Do you understand? When they do crash and they need help, you need to be in a place yourself that you can actually help and that you're not sitting there both drowning together because you've been hand in hand the whole time. Does that make sense? This is super difficult and super hard to do, but it's super, super important. And so last week, the challenge was, you know, face up to what you know God's calling is on your life. Face up to what you know deep in your hearts what God is trying to do. Even if it's hard, even when it hurts, even if it's awkward, we know what needs to be done. So step up, place some guardrails, and head in the direction that God's calling you, right? I believe many of you in here this morning that God has placed it in your heart and your head of what you need to do with your relationships, what you need to do with your friendships, and it's not because God doesn't like your friends or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It's not that God doesn't like whoever it is that's coming to mind. It's not that. It's this. God loves you and is calling you to a place of safety. He's calling you to live a life inside the boundaries, inside the guardrails, so that you can be the person that he has called you to be and not be taken off road all the time with this person or that person. It's not that he doesn't love them. He loves you, and he wants to take care of you. And so that means that you may have to have some hard conversations. It means that you may have to, you know, break off some relationships that are near and dear to your heart, but that you know are toxic, that you know are not life-giving, that you know are not creating, crafting you into the person that God has called you to be. So here's what we know from Scripture from this passage. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. She who walks with the wise becomes wise. The companion of fools eventually, inevitably, suffer some kind of harm. And so as the band comes up and leads us in another song, listen, I want to challenge you guys this morning to make a change in your life, to establish some guardrails, to establish some real boundaries in your relationships. Like I said, I believe that some of us in here already know who those people are or what those situations are in our hearts. We know what those situations are in our heads. And we're sitting here thinking, oh, Seriously? That's going to be hard. That's going to be awkward. And it is. It's going to be super hard and super awkward. But your friends and your relationships, they influence the quality and the direction of your life, whether you're a little kid or you're a grown adult. Your friends influence the direction and quality of your life. So be careful who those people are. Be careful who you're allowing to speak into you letting your guard down around. Be careful who you're craving acceptance from. Be careful in all of this. And so what I want to do is I want to give us an opportunity this morning to do business with God. These guys are going to lead us in a song, and I want you to do business with God. Say, God, maybe, maybe for you, that's busting out your phone and sending a text message right now. Yo, we got to have a talk. Hey, I know we're supposed to hang out later, but uh, yeah, can't. We'll talk later. Maybe it's sending a text message. Maybe it's walking out in the lobby and having a phone call. Hey, can we get lunch? I'm at church right now. I'll be done in a couple minutes. Can we get lunch together? We need to talk. We need to figure this thing out. Some of you guys need to have those conversations now. Some of you, this is just kind of a, a ground level like, yeah, yeah. And you just need to process it a little bit, think about it a little bit, pray about it a little bit, and then make some action. But I want to give us an opportunity to do business with God and have these conversations with ourselves. So let's pray together. God. 
Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.